Hi everyone, it's Keith McPherson here, and welcome to another episode of Let's Connect. This week on the podcast, I speak with Brian Deniszczuk, a financial planner, owner of Credit Aid, and just an incredible human being. Before we get into that, I'm going to share a little bit from my brand new book, Making Sense of Mindfulness, and speak a little bit about some insights around money and finances this week. So before we get into the interview with Brian Dennis, Chuck, I am just so excited to uh, share this episode with you all about financial mental wellness. There's such a link between our finances and our mental health. And today on the podcast, I want to shed some light on this topic, um, have the conversations that we need to have about it, and hopefully inspire you as well when you're thinking about your own financial well-being and how it affects your mental health. So I want to start by... Uh, Diving right in here, I, those of you that are not aware, I have a brand new book that's coming out in November called Making Sense of Mindfulness. And um, in this book, I, I outline five principles to integrating a mindfulness practice into your life. And uh, the third principle of Making Sense of Mindfulness is uh, all about opening your mind. And as I was writing and channeling this book, uh, a major piece came in around opening your mind to financial abundance. Uh, there's a chapter in the, the book called Let It Go and Let It Flow. Um, I want to share a little bit uh, from the book tonight, especially as we kick off this whole theme of money and finances tonight in regards to mindfulness and mental health. And um, so I'm, without further ado, I'd like to read to you here uh, a short little piece of my book, a story that literally happened to me that really changed my perspective around money. So this is from the chapter, Let It Go and Let It Flow. And uh, I write, As mentioned earlier, money is a major attachment for many people. And it is at the root of most internal and external conflicts in the world. Many strong beliefs and attachments are associated with this colored paper we have collectively agreed to place our value on. In my own life, I found myself worrying about money and trying to control this invisible energy. My perspective on money has shifted significantly as I've learned to apply principle three of making sense of mindfulness, open your mind. It was a Thursday evening, and I was having dinner with a good friend, whom I hadn't seen in quite some time. We sat at the dinner table sharing stories and catching up on each other's lives. As we conversed, my friend announced that she would soon be moving from Winnipeg to New York City to pursue her dream of becoming a professional singer-songwriter. She explained that her dream had always been to play music professionally, and New York City kept coming to mind as the next place to truly work towards making her vision a reality. As she spoke about her ambitious dream, my friend also listed all the doubts and reservations she had about making this significant move. Her main concern was that she would not have enough money to pay her bills in one of the most expensive cities in the world. As I listened to my friend's fears about money, a silent beckoning entered my awareness. It was a very quick intuition that it floated right across my mind. I had a $100 American U.S. bill stored in my wallet that was left over from my most recent trip to the United States. I'd kept the bill in my wallet for quite some time and hadn't really given it much thought until this moment. Sitting across from my friend, I felt a deep impulse within me to give her the $100 bill as a gift and symbol of abundance. The gift would be to reassure her that she would be taken care of in the pursuit of her dreams. But almost immediately, I felt my saboteur, my inner critic, listing all the reasons why I shouldn't act on this impulse. $100 is a lot of money to give away when you have expenses and debts of your own to pay. Despite my saboteur's inner chatter in my mind, I decided to defy all the mental noise in my mind. My intuition was just too strong to ignore this inner request. I reached into my pocket, and while my friend was in mid-sentence, I handed her over the money. I assured her that she was going to be taken care of and that this $100 bill was a symbol of prosperity and abundance in this new dream she was pursuing. A few weeks following our dinner, I was met with quite a surprise. I found myself just south of Winnipeg where I live in a small music venue. 
I'd been hired to play music at a wedding reception for a couple that I'd met a few years back. About halfway through the evening, a man in the crowd came up to me and placed a $100 bill on the table beside me. He told me it was a tip for the great music I was playing. All of a sudden, I realized that this was the law of circulation in full effect. I was instantly reminded that when I let go of all I'm attached to and trust my instincts, unlimited potential lies before me. When I truly opened my mind beyond all the reservations and attachments, I met with a universe that reflects back with an open mind, reminding me that in the flow, all things are possible. In her book, The Magic Path of Intuition, Florence Shin writes, The game of life is a game of boomerangs. Whatever you send out comes back. Remember, with an open mind to everything and attached to nothing, all things, including the flow of money, are possible. So that's a little excerpt from my brand new book, Making Sense of Mindfulness. And uh, speaking of Florence Shin, I, I also pulled her book off the, the bookshelf. It's um, one of my favorite books. If you haven't read this book, it's called The Magic Path of Intuition, and it's by Florence Scovel Shin. I believe it was written quite a few years ago, I think even back in the 1920s. And uh, Florence was a real influence on one of my mentors, uh, Louise L. Hay, that I mention very frequently on this podcast. And um, one of the, the things I loved about this book, The Magic Path of Intuition, is there was a few lines in this book that spoke directly about financial wellness and abundance and opening my mind. And it was just a game changer to me. So I've, uh, I've pulled the book off the shelf and I just, to get us into this mindset of money and how to think about money, because so many of us get so attached to our money and the flow of money. I just wanted to share with you a couple of uh, insights from her book. She says, gratitude is the law of increase and complaint is the law of decrease. Um, that blew my mind. And then there's, there's a couple other pieces in here that I just want to read and for you to process and just take this in. Things should never possess you. You should possess things. Don't have a fear of loss or your possessions and money will disappear. You really never possess that which you are in fear of losing. And if you do not appreciate a blessing, it is not impressed on the subconscious mind and will fade out of your life. She goes on to give this example of a woman who owned these beautiful pearls back in the 20s, I imagine. And uh, she says, like, this woman had great wealth, but always talked lack and said repeatedly, someday I'll have to eat those pearls. Now her fortune was vanished and the pearls were sold for food, literally, and other necessities. I think that uh, our unconscious mind when it comes to money takes things so literally and how we think about money gets absorbed in our unconscious memory mind and we literally start seeing what we're we're telling ourselves the story in our mind manifesting in the world around us so um i know i'm not the money expert we have brian coming on the podcast to share some insights on how to think about money in a, in a healthy mindful way but um, in my experience of it just before we get into that i have to say that the mental game of money is so so crucial here um, oh, I, I am also inclined to share one more thing about this. Um, th there's from this book, The Magic Path of Intuition. This was also a real game changer to me. Um, Florence Shin writes, no matter how much money you have, if you feel poor, you begin to lose money. Nothing comes into your life uninvited. You are always inviting poverty or prosperity through your quality of thought. Now is the appointed time. Today is the day of amazing good fortune. If you have any reservations about that sentence, today is the day of good fortune, uh, there's a good chance that the money's not fully flowing in your life. Um, one final point, and then we'll get into the, the interview with Brian. But um, there's a, a line in the prayer of St. Francis that I say every day. And the, the line I'm thinking of in particular here is, it is in giving that we receive. And I've found that um, when we get stuck with money, it's either because we are unable to let it go and flow like with ease, like give it, or we have trouble receiving it and letting it in. So in this conversation with uh, Brian Dennis-Chuck from Credit Aid, um, who deals with money all day long and helps people get out of debt and helps people get into the right mindset, 
we're going to talk a little bit more about this concept of giving and receiving and really how to show up to money in a healthy, prosperous mindset. So uh, without further ado, I'm really excited to introduce you guys to Brian Denishuk. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited this week because I'm going to introduce you today to one of my mentors and friends, Brian Denishuk, who's here to speak with us today about probably one of the most important topics in our lives, something that we think about and we deal with every day of our lives, and that is the topic of money and finances. Uh, one of the things I love about Brian is his ability to integrate the practicality of money with um, wellness, with with trying to get in the right headspace around this. So many people deal with anxiety and stress around money, and today we are going to demystify some of this, get some tips on how to make money work for us as opposed to uh, us being slaves to money. And Brian, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Keith. It's very exciting to be here and to share a few stories and talk about money and hopefully help make a difference in the lives of a few people. Absolutely. I, w- I want to hear first about how you got into money. I mean, we're all into money, but how you zoned in and made this your, your full-time thing. Well, I think I was destined to be in this business because if I go back to when we first got married, and Stella and I have been married a long time, 37 years, we had to budget. We, had, we didn't have a lot of money. Stella was still in nursing school, and I was working for a bank at the time, and we had to sit down and plan where all of our money was going. The only way we could do that was to build that spending plan or, as we refer to it, a budget. And so I used to track everything, imported into Quicken, and I could tell you what we spent everywhere. I think I drove poor Stella nuts because I used to be able to pie chart the grocery spending from one year to the other. So as life evolved, I continued my career path into financial services, working in the payroll business for about 20 years. Then I had the opportunity to run a bill payment company for about eight or nine years. Then I thought it was time to step out on my own and actually own my own business. And a mentor of mine helped me find Credit Aid, which was um, an interesting business. But at first I thought, well, does it really fit? And the more I looked at it, the more I realized I could really make a difference in the lives of people when it came to money. And so I bought it. And 10 years later, we are enjoying making a real difference in the lives of a lot of people. And have expanded into really spending time talking about financial wellness and how it truly impacts our health and our ability to move forward through life. Wow. You know, one of the first things that I noticed when I walked into your office, which where we're sitting, is this huge bowl of cut-up credit cards. Um, it blew my mind. I was like, what's that all about? And I tell me a little bit about why you have a bowl of cut-up credit cards in your office. Well, when we meet with people and we have to try to make some changes in their lives financially, and we have to transition them to a save-to-spend versus using credit, Part of the therapy is as we look at things and if we find the right program for them, we have to stop using those credit cards. So I have some very sharp scissors in my desk and so do all the counselors and we hand them over and as the individuals look at life and say, I'm ready to take the next step here, they cut up their credit cards and it's incredible to watch them do it. They end up smiling. It's the first step in moving forward. And they take those credit cards and they fill the bowl. Wow. And it is getting pretty darn full. Wow, that's unbelievable. So if you want to give us a little bit more background too on Credit Aid for those that are not familiar with your company and how this works. Sure. We are credit counselors as well as insolvency counselors. And what we do is when people are struggling with debt, oftentimes they don't know where to turn. Who do they go to? The creditors might be calling and demanding payments. They go to their financial institution to try to borrow more money to help resolve the issues, and they're turned away. So now they're left alone. So where do they go? So we're an organization that they can sit down with, and we can recap their financial life, summarize their assets and liabilities, help them prepare a total budget, look and analyze their debt, and then provide them with complete solutions on how they can move forward, how to get out of debt. There is always a solution takes a little bit of work, but we can help transition you right out of debt so that you're into a save-to-spend opportunity to really take advantage of life as things evolve. Mm. You know, hearing you talk, you make money feel so accessible and easy to work with. But I know that there's a lot of people listening that are are battling this whole 
uh, mentality of I'm in debt, I don't have enough, I can't get ahead. Um, I mean, in some ways, this is a real epidemic in our culture where people are spending more than they have. It's, I, I can't tell you how many subscription models online there are now where you can just, just give us your credit card, we'll bill you $9 <laughs> a month. And so many of those add up over time and people just find themselves totally stretched and strapped. You must see this every day in your work. We do. We really do see it. What, you know, I think it's very difficult for, for us to sit down and say, okay, I'm going to recap my financial life. I'm going to look at my income and then I'm going to summarize all of my spending within a month or all of our spending as couples. Mm. And it just seems to be a task that we've never really learned. We don't teach about financial literacy in the school system. Where do you go to learn these skills? It's a tough one. Where do you go? You, there is really nowheres, and that's a tough part. You know, financial institutions, if we look back in the day, um, they did a little bit of this, but today that really isn't their job. Their job is to help you understand and maybe just buy money. They're going to provide you with a mortgage, with loans, etc. But I always say when you're going to go into a financial institution to get a mortgage or to borrow, you need to know how much you need. What do I need this money for? How's it going to change my life? How much mortgage can I really afford? And if you don't understand how much money you're going in to buy, you most likely will buy too much money. And mm. that's where the problem starts. We start going through life day to day with our paychecks. And oftentimes we don't get to the end of the month. All of a sudden, our checking account's at just about zero. So what do we do? We start using our credit cards or we start using our lines of credit. And the problem is, is that we get used to having a little bit more income than we really make. And our spending habits continue to change until all of a sudden there's no more line of credit to use. Then what do we do? We really have to stop. And that's what we do here is we help people really reflect, summarize where they're at today, and then put a plan in place. Hmm. You have a home. Can you really afford the home? Do we have to think about maybe selling the home? Or can we find another solution? Can we find a way to work with the creditors to get all of their interest rates reduced to virtually zero, which is what we can do? Or should we be referring you to a trustee to go bankrupt or do a consumer proposal? Mm. So like I said, there's always a solution, but you need to be ready for it. Mm. And debt stress is huge out there, Keith, as we know. 60 to 70% of Canadians are struggling day to day with debt. Wow, yeah. So what, if we've been struggling for 10 years, what's that doing to our internal organs? You know, we, we look at everybody that's coming down with all kinds of different diseases and cancers and, and, and where's this coming from? Is it the fact that we're continually stressed? Yeah. And if we can start making that difference, if we can start understanding that game of money, you know, living within the framework of what we actually make. How do I get through the month mm -hmm. and still have some pennies left? Right. How do I be in, how, how can I be in charge? I should be grabbing my money and telling it where to go. We're the ones in life that are really working our buns off to earn these dollars. And yet we let them just filter through. We let everybody, you know, put pre-authorized debits through, take money for this, this, and this. And we go, well, what's left for me? Yeah. What about if we change that concept and we say, this is mine. Now, money, I'm going to tell you to go here, here, and here. And the first place it's going to go is I'm going to start to save to spend. So I'm going to transition my thinking. We're an instant gratification society that wants to have it all now. And we've watched it throughout our, you know, generations, the last few, where, you know, it's advertised on TV. Buy now, pay later. Yeah. You don't have to think about it. Absolutely. You know, we want to watch the big game Friday. I want to watch the bomber game. But I want to... I want an 80-inch TV now. I can think about it today. I can go buy it. And I don't even, I go, well, I, you know, I don't have to worry about paying it for two years. I got yeah. two years interest-free. Who cares? Yeah. You know, and then all of a sudden two years goes and we're paying 30% interest back to day one. And now we're in trouble. So I have a question. In your experience of this, um, I mean, what you're talking about, the safe-to-spend model sounds brilliant. because I, And I've taken your advice on this personally <laughs> and found that it's just so much less stress when I actually saved up the money to buy whatever it is that I'm wanting to buy or purchase. Um, but to get into the discipline of that can be very challenging for somebody that has that is bought into that culture of immediate gratification. It's everywhere. Yeah. How does somebody start in terms of discipline, in terms of um, 
budgeting and saving to spend? I think what I do with all of my clients is the first thing we do is we summarize that budget. And built into the budget, we start to ask questions. Let's talk about life six months forward, 12 months forward, 18 months, and 24 months. What will you need money for? Mm-hmm. I like to use Christmas as an example. If you celebrate Christmas, when should you start thinking about Christmas? Well, I'm not sure. When should you? Well, <laughs> I usually not... think about it on December 24th, to be <laughs> honest. And too many of us do. <laughs> I always say we've got to start thinking about it January 1st. So we've got to look back at 2017 and say, what did Christmas cost us? If we spent $600 on Christmas, then we write it down on our summary sheet, $600. Then what we do is we divide it by 12 and save $50 a month. Right. So that when we get to December, we've got the money saved. We don't have to worry about it. So we can relieve a little bit of stress in our life. No different than car repairs. You know, whenever we go to get that oil change, it's never only an oil change as it wants our cars off warranty. Yeah. It's constant breaks. upgrades. It's something. It's three, four, five hundred dollars. And if you get hit with a bill and you're not ready for it, it can add a lot of stress. Absolutely. So why not save the money every single month so that when you get the bill and you go to get it your vehicle fixed, you don't have to think twice about it. Yes, I need brakes, please do them. I know it's four hundred dollars. I've got six hundred dollars in my car repair account. It's no big deal. Right. Just speaking about accounts too, I I know you gave me this advice, but I'd love for you to reiterate it to the listeners. This idea of allocating money into different accounts um, when you get a paycheck that comes in. And and that's exactly the principle of save to spend is I always say open a new bank account. And I I will use Tangerine Bank of Canada because it just makes it very easy as an example, but you can do it in with other financial institutions as well. So what I say is open that bank account at Tangerine. What I like about Tangerine is it's free banking. Yeah. I love free. Me too. I I love free too. (laughs) And so you can open the account there and you can set up six different bank accounts, six different savings accounts. So what I like is you can nickname them emergency savings, car repair savings, holiday savings, whatever type of savings you need to save for. And every month you're basically following the David Chilton methodology where you're paying yourself first. They go to a wealthy barber. So you are the first one that's grabbing that paycheck. Mm. And so you're putting $50 away for Christmas. You're putting $50 away in your emergency savings account. You're putting $50 away in your car repair account so that you're building and you're constantly building that savings Mm -hmm. so that we can take away that stress in life. And we're looking forward six months, 12 months. What events are happening in my life that I need to save money for? Do I need to save for a new house? Do I need to save for a down payment? Right. And it will make it much, much easier. I almost treat it as if I'm like paying myself as a bill. Like I'm like, okay, I got to pay myself the fund savings. I got to pay myself the um, saving for that new house. And it's almost like I allocate the checks that come in as if they're they're bill payments, yes. but they're actually circulating back to me for things I'm saving for. And it's pretty exciting when you're saving to spend as well, your money is earning interest as well. Absolutely. So there's two weeks, two ways in life we, we, we earn money. We work our buns off just like we do today, but we can have our money making a little bit of money. And so we've got that extra little bit of income coming in every month as well, which makes it really, really nice. We need to save for that future. We need to start thinking about what does retirement look like? I mean, when we look at, you know, we look at a 30-year-old, okay, they've got 35 years till they hit 65, but what will they need to retire? Do they have a pension plan or are they going to have to, you know, to self-fund? Do they have to save a million dollars? When you think of a million dollars over the course of uh, 35 years and you break it down, it's not too bad. But if you all of a sudden say, wow, I got to save a million dollars if I ever want to retire, how am I going to do that? So we really need to break everything around money down to simple basics and keep it that way. Right. You know, and we've got to watch that instant gratification. We got to start to practice some delayed gratification. Mm -hmm. You know, if you really saved money, if you saved the money to buy that new TV we talked about earlier, I'll bet you instead of paying $1,200, you as a typical Manitoban are going to go out there and you're going to say, 
I'm going to find that same TV on sale for $800. <laughs> and you got $400 extra. You can say, what am I going to do with this money? I just should clarify to you, for those listening that are listening internationally, Manitoba, our province or state, if you're from the States, uh, we love our good deals. So that's, that's what Brian's referencing <laughs> when he says that. I just wanted to name that for anybody out of our province that's listening to that. Thank you for clarifying yeah, that. Yeah, we Keith. do love. But I love um, something that I really appreciate about how you work uh, in the, the field of money too, Brian, is that I know that there's more to it than just writing down the numbers. There's something to do with our belief systems as well around money. Absolutely. I, and I think it also ties to, to communication. Because when we think of couples and money, we need to have open communication. We need to have that dialogue so that we're not running two different directions. Does that happen where you get couples in here that have no idea what's going on with each other's finances? Absolutely. Really? I like to tell different stories of cases, and I never share names just to provide, you know, protect the confidentiality. But I had a, a young woman who um, had a heart attack at 50 years old. Huh. She was a nurse. She came into my office, and, you know, we started to recap her life financially, and so we, we're trying to put together that, you know, that spending plan, that budget, where's, who's paying for what in the family. She was married, but she came in alone. And we started to look at it. And she said, well, my, pus- my husband pays for this. I pay for that. And it was a lot of back and forth where I couldn't get all the numbers. So we left the budget. We started to summarize what she had on credit card debt and lines of credit. Mm. Well, she had about $50,000. Wow. So that, I thought, was fairly high. Yeah. But uh, I said, you know, for me to really help you, do you think your husband would come in so that we can build the rest of the plan? And she convinced him to come in, so he did, and he sat down. He walked into my office. He was a fairly big guy, and he shook my hand. His, my hand you know, kind of disappeared in his, and he says, Brian, I'm not sure what I'm doing here. I'm retiring in two years. And I thought, oh, my goodness. We're going to have a little chat. So we sat down, and we started to fill in the other blank pieces in the budget, and then we summarized his debt. And he had about 60000 And so when we shared her 50000 of unsecured debt, they started to look at each other. And I could tell that this was a brand new conversation, hmm. that neither of them realized the amount of debt that they had as a couple. Wow. They had $110,000 worth of unsecured debt. Wow. They had two daughters in their early 20s. And I said, well, I know why this is happening. You guys are spending $2,000 a month more than you make every month. So we have a little bit of work to do. And I also thought, wow, I got to chat with these two young ladies because if they think this type of spending is normal, where are they headed? I mean, this family went out for dinner seven days a week. There was no cooking. You got to cut up the credit card. We cut up a lot of credit cards <laughs> that day. Wow. And you know, this it was a true success story. They realized they needed to, to really buckle down and make some changes. And they did. And they cleared the entire $110,000 worth of debt in five years. Wow. And, you know, after they were finished, they came in and he said, look, I saved money for a motorcycle. Wow. So, like our, the save to spend model. Yes. And it worked. That's incredible. Absolutely. Yeah. This is really powerful. I, I want to also break down, just in your opinion, I mean, you work with this every day. How would you define money? Like what people constantly have this mysterious concept of what money is. What is money to you? That's a tough question. <laughs> it's, um, we need money to, to take care of the basics in life. We need to put a roof over our head. We need to nourish ourselves. Um, you know, those are, those are a few of the basics that we need to take care of. We need money for that. Uh-huh. And the rest is really being empowered to plan your life. You need to set goals in life. Yeah. And our goals take some money. So you need to really say, I don't want to I don't want to plan to win the lottery to achieve the goals I need to want to in life. Yeah. We need to save for those goals. We need to help fuel that fire. When you break it really down though to like the core of what do you think money is? What is it? I mean, it's, it's it feels like it's such an intangible. I mean, it's dollar bills, but like what's behind it? Do you have any concept of like what what do you think it is? You know what? I've never gotten that deep into through thinking about it. It's a tough one. Yeah. It really, really is. You know, when you think of money, you're thinking, well, it's a paycheck. It's the numbers on the deposits going into my bank account. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, the thing you have, I guess you got to think about, can I live without this thing called money? <laughs> well, and I if think I it's did, pretty hard. <laughs> what would my life look like? You know, I'm going back to the country where, you know, <laughs> you got to think back to, to a few generations ago where there wasn't a lot of money. Right. And yet look at the types of lives people had. Yeah. They, they worked, they cleared the land, they raised a few, some animals so that they could eat. They grew gardens, they canned vegetables, and they socialized, and they were very, very happy. The yeah. one thing I know in life is that money doesn't necessarily bring happiness. Hmm. So we have to be very careful there. I think what brings happiness is finding a better balance of hmm. how we're dealing with money right. and living within our means. And that seems to be so hard because society today is looking around at the neighbors. What type of new vehicles do they have? What type of home do they have? And we're always trying to climb that ladder. Mm -hmm. But does that ladder ever get anywhere? Yeah. What about just saying, how are we going to sustain ourselves, live within our means, and just enjoy being stress-free around money? Mm-hmm. When 60 to 70% of Canadians are stressed about money, I want to be in the 30 to 40% where I'm really not worried yeah. about where that next paycheck's coming from. I've told my man where to go. I've got the money saved. Yeah, I've saved the money for the new roof because I realized three years before I'm going to need a new roof. So I've been able to put that save to spend mentality into place to really streamline and de-stress myself with money. As you're talking about it, I almost think about it on a belief level, and it's such a paradox. It seems like in our society, we've convinced ourselves that if I have a lot of money, if I've got that new car like my neighbors, like you're mm-hmm. saying, somehow I'm gonna be happy. Like money is happiness. And as you start talking about it and, and dissect it, what I'm actually hearing is it's not necessarily the, the all means to happiness. There's more to this belief system than Money equals happiness. It is so true. And I mean, when I see people come into the office and they're debt stressed and, you know, they've spent a lot of money, but they've transitioned. They're sitting here, their hair standing straight up. (laughs) No word of a lie. And when we get through helping them realize that there are plans to improve their financial well-being, and we take just just the first meeting where we've put it down on paper and say, we can help you. We see a lot of tears yeah. and not and, and lots from men. Men think they need to solve every problem. Yeah. You know, and, and when we say there is a solution, our, we go through a ton of Kleenex. I can it's imagine. unbelievable because all of a sudden they're seeing there is a little bit of light. And when we, you know, we work with our clients for five years. We go through the good times together and some of the bad times. There's no smooth road over five years. It can be bumpy. But, but when they make that last payment and they become debt-free, they are dancing. Yeah. There's excitement. There's new life in their eyes. And they're approaching their, their, their new opportunities with confidence when it comes to money. Yeah, it feels like the shift happens when you really take control of money and it's not controlling you. Absolutely. I mean, this goes way back, way back in time. I, I'm thinking about this woman named Florence Scoville Shin. If you haven't checked out her book, it's amazing. It's called The Power of Intuition. And there's a whole chapter in there about money. She wrote this in the 20s. It's, it's profound. And she talks about our beliefs around money and this idea that um, if, if you have a home for millions of dollars, millions of dollars will find a home with you. But to actually like create a home with millions of dollars, your belief system's got to be there. You've got to believe that you're able to attract that and create that. And I think for a lot of us, we get caught up in somewhere in the cycle um, around giving and receiving too. There's like this, this piece where, I don't know if you've noticed this, I find this as a coach that people come in with money issues and they're either stuck in the wheel of... Um, they find it hard to spend, like they, they mm-hmm. almost cringe when it comes to paying their bills. It's like this kind of fear-based thing. Yes. Or they don't feel worthy of receiving the money that's going to come in for them. They go, oh, no, I can't, I can't take that. It's, it's too much for me. Um, and I find that like somewhere in that, that giving and receiving flow, we tend to get something stuck in the wheel, typically, yeah. when there's issues with money. Do, do, do you I, relate to this? I agree 100%. We need to open our minds. We need to think, be very positive. Yeah. You know, we want to attract the good things in our life. So we got to think of those things. We got to set those positive goals. We got to believe in us. Yes. That we are healthy. 
and that we are capable of achieving really anything we want in life. I mean, we are very fortunate Uh to be able to set those goals, to be able to say, I want to get an education and I can go out and I can work towards that. I can, I can be anything in life I want to. The only one that ever stops us from it is ourselves. Our own beliefs. Our own beliefs are critical. We've got to believe in us. Yeah. And like you always say, we've got to like ourselves too. I That's agree. absolutely critical. I, I love it. I, there's a, a often an affirmation that I'm saying in my mind, and I say out loud sometimes too, is just I'm open and receptive to all flowing in, all good flowing in, just to like allow ourselves to receive the, the yes. you know, and I, I'm always shocked at how many people undercharged for their gifts and for their services based on a belief that, oh, no, I'm, they, they shrink themselves. I agree. Do you I, notice this? Absolutely, and I think we do it ourselves well, to we some do. degree. We, oh, I'll yeah. do it for free, and then it's like all of a sudden, well, why do, can't I pay my bills at the end of the <laughs> yeah. month? And it stems back to that belief. Absolutely. Yeah, but then also paying bills too. Um, this idea of, oh, I don't know if I, I, sh- I, I want to pay this water bill or, oh, I have to pay this car bill. But what if we were to go into the mentality, and I don't know if you agree with this, where it's like, thank you, like prosperity, like thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Um, let the mechanic prosper in his business. Here's the $1,000 it costs to change the whatever it is <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> instead of, oh, another $1,000. Like, I, I, have you seen any of that in terms of the shift in your clients, like when they change their belief system? Absolutely, because they're not scared to let go of some of the dollars because it's going into the right places. Right. It's no big deal to pay the water bill. We were able to use it for the last three months. Right. So it's awesome. And we're able to, to save. We're able to say, you know what? I deserve to have a few of these dollars for me. Mm-hmm. And when I see those tangerine accounts grow, that's money I've put aside for important things in my life. No compared to before where it was all gone. And, you know, you can start in small ways. Even if you set up and define the six accounts you want to save, put $10 in each one. Just get in in the habit of taking maybe $10, maybe for three or four accounts, and putting them into savings. I love it. And you start there and you start to realize, wow, it doesn't take much. And I really didn't miss it. Yes, exactly. And that's the exciting part. (laughs) And, you know, when you get down to the end of the month, and the other idea when it comes to budgeting is we really got to track our spending. And I think that's the measuring piece that so many people miss. Because it's one thing to say, this is where I think my money's going, but where is it really going? Mm. So what we do with our clients is we get them to save all of their receipts and really start to summarize it. So at the end of the month, you sit down. And uh, you open that envelope and you sort your gas receipts, your food receipts, and that entertainment one that becomes <laughs> interesting. And, you, you know, you add them all up and you fill it in and you compare it to that spending plan. How did I do? You know, what are the measurements? And did I do better in some categories? Did I did worse? Do I, you know, what yeah. does it look like? Do I have to make some adjustments here? And you start to make the adjustments and you do it again and again and again. Like when we talk about planning and, and budgeting, we need to do it. For the rest of our life. Yeah. It's not, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It's really all about how much we spend. Mm -hmm. And if we don't monitor the spending, we're going to be in trouble. I mean, after you do this for a period of time and everybody is different, it becomes second nature. Right. And you're realizing, you know, I've got a feel for my grocery shopping. I know my budget's about 500 bucks a month. And you know, when you've, when you're there and then you've got to start, you know, looking for deals. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of cool apps that I've seen recently around getting coupons. Can you name some of those? I, it's just that, do you, any off the top of your head? If not, it's okay. There was one that I, yes, oh, I can't remember the name right now, but it was yeah. a really cool one where they actually, you, you take pictures of your grocery bill, you send it in. If you've bought something that's coupon related, they actually give you some money. Oh, incredible. So you get paid to, to use their coupon. So I think that's really cool when you can have that money sitting in your, your account. It even It's more powerful than it just coming off of your grocery bill right then and there. When you talk about budgeting, I, just back to that for a minute, um, because I think a lot of people tend to go, yeah, I'm going to budget, and they sit down to do it, and they're like, I just don't know where to start with this. How the heck do I budget? Like, Any tips on that to get started at least on that piece? I think just you know, going back to that pen and paper, yep. start by saying, this is my income. And then what are the basic things, different categories in life? And just start by summarizing them. You know, the first one you're going to think of is the roof over your head. Am I paying rent or is it a mortgage? What are my property taxes? What are, what are my utility costs to run this house around hydro, gas, and water? Mm-hmm. My insurance costs. 
diving into the food costs, your transportation costs being your car, your car insurance, and you start listing all of the different items. Here's the thing, though. When you start doing I think a lot of people don't even go there because they're just scared to see what's going to show up on the paper. That's true. So provided that you're listening and you actually go through what Brian's challenging you to do is write down what am I making versus what am I spending. Um, if you get into this scenario where you discover, oh, my gosh, I am spending way more than I'm earning, yeah. then what? What do you do? Well, when you're spending way more than you're earning, then maybe it's the time to step forward and say, I need some expert guidance on this. Yeah. So then you should look to say, who can I go to? Mm. And there's credit counselors right across Canada, across the U.S. that you can find. Find a reputable one. What I mean by that is it's not a 1-800 number where you're dealing with somebody over the phone. You want to be able to sit down face-to-face to to get some assistance and guidance. Mm. And your typical credit counseling agencies will do at least a first session for free, helping you summarize your income and your expenses. And then they'll provide you with solutions. And from there, I always say, leave. Step aside. Go and review this and reflect on it. Don't make rash decisions. Mm -hmm. Also, don't believe a lot of the gimmicks out there where you know they're telling you you know i can get rid of 85 percent of your debt no problem just pay us you know hundreds and hundreds of dollars for months on end and you know there are organizations that don't do anything and they end up taking you and you're in trouble and then you got to see a trustee and go bankrupt so do some homework around the the you know the agencies you're using make sure they're licensed in their in their province in their state are they bonded what type of reputation do they have with Better Business Bureau? Mm-hmm. You know, is there anything that I can, you know, can I talk to somebody who has used your service and see how successful it has been? Talk to your friends. Don't hesitate to talk to people about money. We don't talk about money amongst ourselves as friends because it's kind of a, seems to be a taboo subject. It's true. We're embarrassed. But you know what? Open the conversations a little bit. Asking people, you know, how do you, what do you do around budgeting? What do you do around savings? And it starts to open the door so you can get some new ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, because everybody's different and unique, and we want, you know, some ideas work for some and not for others. What I'm so appreciating about your perspective and approach to money is there's always a solution, there's always a way out. And what I'm hearing you say here that I think is important is that the resources are around us. We just have to have the conversations. We need to ask for help when we need help. That is so true. So if you're spending more than you're (laughs) earning, um, this might be a time to write down the numbers and seek out some help. Uh, Go to somebody that's doing well financially and ask them, what's your secret? Exactly. You know, it's one of the reasons I called you up and (laughs) and you've made me this rich millionaire now (laughs) 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 on my way, I should say. (laughs) But I think it's really exciting to to just dissect it in that way and to just really narrow in and have the conversation. Absolutely. And the conversations aren't that hard to have. And, you know, we've been fortunate uh, being part of the Balanced Wellness team for a few years now where we get to go and lecture on, my lectures are on financial wellness. And right. they're called how to tell your money where to go. And, and, you know, I've had the privilege of being in, in through the school systems, but with the teachers at their PD days and the lectures are full. Everyone's craving for information. How do I deal with this thing called money yeah. in a better way? How do I build my confidence around money? Because I've had nowheres to go. Yeah. And we have to get it back in. We have to get it back. It's never been in the curriculum. We got to get it into the school system. So we're starting to teach three-year-olds and five-year-olds all the way to grade 12 Mm -hmm. so that they're confident when they step out into the world when it comes to money. Mm -hmm. We're not stepping into university and having all these free credit cards thrown at us and saying, party time, let's go. And making the first mistakes, learning by rote versus, you know, by by a little bit of good learning. I'd love for you to share the story about, if you wouldn't mind, about your daughter and credit cards when she was growing up. This is brilliant. (laughs) Absolutely. You realize that my daughter isn't going to be happy with you and I on this one. But that's okay. okay. We're going to share it anyways because you know what? She always laughs about it now. She's a great teacher. But, uh, (laughs) you know, I've always, I started at a very young age. Actually, Stella and I shouldn't say it's just me, but we both have the same view and concepts around money. And we started to talk with the children very young. And so once Leanne went through uh, her school systems and she went to business admin to take her her degrees and stuff, she got her first job and, you know, she phones me one day, early 20s. She goes, Dad, you embarrassed me today. And I go, oh, man, you know, 
dads, I guess, embarrass their daughters a lot. And I go, what did I do this time? She goes, well, I went out for lunch with some of the girls from work today, and they all talked about just making minimum payments on credit cards. And she says, I told them there was no such thing. You had to pay the bill off in full every month. And I'm on the phone going, yes, yes. <laughs> and, and so, you know, we talked a little bit more, and I says, you know, Leanne, did you take an opportunity to do a little teaching about money while you were having this conversation with them? Did you talk about your tangerine account and the different savings that you have? You have savings, yeah, and you have good savings, earning you money, and they're talking about making minimum payments. That's a big difference in life. You know, the unfortunate part is we get these credit cards, and we think it's like a savings account. We say, how much of this 10000 I got 10000 extra to spend, yeah. and I'm going to make just minimum payments. And we need to be careful because that interest rate is 19%, 29%. And we got to remember that when we use these credit cards, if we miss two minimum payments in a row, if you read the back of all of the fine print, fine print <laughs> there's default rates. So it can bump from 19 to 24 to 29% pretty wow. quickly. So when you're Jeez. thinking 30% interest on everything you're spending, it's brutal. Yeah. So the first thing you need to do with credit cards is stop using them. Right. You know, freeze them, cut them up, whatever you need to do. And then just start making more than your minimum payment. Right. And you will see that credit card balance start to come down. Right. And you got to remember, when you're running high credit, you're, you're have, it has an impact on your credit rating. Mm -hmm. Your credit rating is your report card on how much you're going to pay to borrow money. And it impacts our mortgages. If we go and we get a mortgage and we can't get that 3 or 4 or 5%, whatever the rates are today, and we have to pay 9 to 12%, the cost difference over... You know, 25 years could be hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, it's unbelievable how it that could happen. Yes. And, and you're the one, we're the one working for this thing called money. Do I want to allow somebody else to earn that much money on my money? Hmm. Or do I want to protect that credit rating and keep it down by making sure I'm in control with my spending? Yeah. So this, there is so much to this. I mean, it's, uh, it's personal beliefs, it's discipline, it's like taking action and making sure that you're Absolutely. not spending all this money. It's the save to spend model that I think you've brilliantly put together yes. in your business. And it's asking for help. It's having these conversations and deepening your awareness around this mysterious piece that we call money. That's right. Yeah. I, um, to conclude, I was, one of my mentors, I talk about him a lot on the podcast, Wayne Dyer, um, was had this I had a turning point when I heard this story about him and money uh, just after he passed away his daughter uh, told the story of him and how in his work people would literally just write him checks in gratitude for the work he was doing wow. they call that tithing just you know yep. so he would receive these checks like weekly and he had this pile um, at the same time on his desk of, of cards and requests for people that were wanting money they knew he was a rich man <laughs> and so he would just let this pile of requests pile up on his desk of, you know, I need money for to pay my kid's tuition, or I need money to get through this problem. And anytime tithing would come in, he would literally take that money, take the first card off the pile and write a check and send it off. And it was wow. like, he had this little system of just circulating money. And I think just as we conclude our, our podcast here, I'd, I'd love to get your perspective on the importance of also like tithing, giving, that piece. Too. Absolutely. And we can give back in many, many ways. And it's not necessarily giving back with just money. Yeah. It's giving of our time. Time, energy. And you know what? When you start to do that, you receive it back tenfold. Mm. You know, I started to do some, some volunteer board work at a very young age. And, and I always felt kind of guilty because I put in this extra free time, but I always got tenfold back. You know, I would talk just a wee bit about my business. People would say, what do you do? And we talk about credit counseling, and all of a sudden, you have children that need assistance and family, and, and it just keeps flowing in that way. Wow. And so we need to think about who are we going to support? Yes. Through the donations, money-wise, time-wise, and it's so valuable. It's a learning experience when we're, you know, I find it way easier to give than to receive. I feel guilty of receiving. I think you're naming one of the number one blockers of money right now. Is that yep. for a lot of people, we, like the yes people that are like, yes, I'll, I'll volunteer. Yes, I'll do it. Yes, I'll do it. And then they forget that, oh, yeah, but there's also got to be a receiving part to this. That's right. And I got to let it in. 
and that is hard <laughs> to do, but we're learning a little bit more how to do that. But you know, giving are. and giving and helping people is so much fun. You know, the rewards we have within our business of making a difference in the lives of these individuals is huge. Yes. And I guess that's why I love this business so much because it's the first time that I have had direct impact on people themselves. You know, of the first few weeks of buying the business and getting going and everything, uh, my wife is a nurse and I went to pick her up on the way home. I'm excited about, you know, made this difference in this person's life today. And her first comment was, welcome to my world. I've been doing this ever since I started nursing. And I went, holy man, you, you know, you do. And we don't think of that. Yeah. And so, yes, making a difference in people's lives, just as you're doing. With all the great information you continually share, Keith, it's amazing. Oh, thank you. You know, when when we got reacquainted a few years ago, uh, it's just been such a pleasure. And I love being on the road with you where we get to lecture back to back. Oh, it's the best. And and you open their minds and then I I transition that thinking into saving to spend. And I, I can only imagine how many people we've impacted. And that, that is what this is about. It's really impacting one person at the time with little changes. Yes. You don't have to change everything overnight, but start doing little things, whether it's the way we think, our positiveness, or whether it's with money. Huh. It will all add up and you will, you will reap the rewards. Absolutely. Oh, thank you so much for sharing all of this wisdom and just contributing and being part of my life and a part of our listeners' lives too today. And hopefully this is landing at the perfect time for those of you listening in whatever way. Um, And how can people find you if they have questions or comments? They can uh, hit us on the website, www.creditaid.ca, C-R-E-D-I-T-A-I-D.ca, or at 204-987-6890. Give us a call. We're here. We would love to sit down with you and help work through your financial issues. And sometimes it's just not issues. It's understanding where you're at in life, taking that snapshot. And if you can have that snapshot, now you've got a picture. Now you've got a visual. And I'm all about visuals. Absolutely. I'm about goal setting, having pictures on your mirror, and you start to have those financial pictures, life will improve. So please don't hesitate to reach out and talk to us. I love it. Thank you so much for joining us today. No problem. Yeah. It was a great It was a pleasure being here. Absolutely. All right. Well, that concludes another episode of Let's Connect. I hope you've been inspired by the conversation with Brian. And you're going to move into this week with more awareness about how to think about money in a positive and abundant way. I wish you an abundant, awesome week, everyone. And we'll see you next week on Let's Connect.